The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how are you doing? Oh, you know... I'm doing as well as I can. It is now day 13 of my four-day getting my floors done. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you you know what you're missing? Rocky T. You know, that's right. I have to hire somebody. Rocky T, he would do it himself. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he'd be spitting out the the nails into the ground, hammering everything right in, and done within hours. That's what I say. Um, speaking of uh, Rocky T, uh, FSW had an event uh, this past Saturday night. It was the Future Shock, um, and uh, boy, it was a, a pretty good card. Um, Overall, before we talk a little bit about uh, specifics, but uh, overall, uh, how did you uh, think the show went? You know, typical future shock, some really good highs and some really low lows. You know, when you're putting that that newer talent on shows, you're not sure what you're going to get when it's their first or second outing. You know what I mean? And, you know. We're not going to sugarcoat shit, you know. Uh, unfortunately, uh, a couple of the of the young talents uh, struggled a bit, I guess you can say. You, you know what I mean? And, you know, and in some cases, some of the young guys, you know, again, very impressed with Grizz Brody, man. I think this kid's going to be uh, something special. Yeah, um, you know, Grizz is, <laughs> I think that uh, when you talk about finding uh, some diamonds in the rough, I think he's definitely uh, one of those guys that uh, you you had him going against Mr. Classic too, which is not a bad um, person to, you know, have a young guy going against. So, you know, that, that was a good, a very strong matchup. Um. What did you think about uh, the Suavecitos going against uh, R3 and uh, Bryce? I thought it was a pretty good match. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, I know of R3. He's been doing it for a long time. The other guy, Bryce Saturn, uh, it hit me up a few times. Uh, Again, there's 15 guys from Arizona that are are hitting me up. You know, (laughs) the very first Future Shock Grizz just came down. I had no idea who this dude was. You know right. what I mean? And he just came down to help out. Turned out we needed a spot. I, uh, somebody said a good thing about him. 
we put him in, kind of like what we saw. We had another spot, and he came right down on short notice. Uh, and we felt, you know what, Let, let's see if we can get him uh, a singles match. Initially, it was going to be a uh, three-way, but uh, there was miscommunication where I thought somebody was going to be there, and he wasn't. So we had to move Ricky Tenacious in against uh, Big Duke Lawrence, right. and Grizz got his one-on-one -on -one match. And, you know, it, it similar to class and Devin Reno now, you know, class came in, do whatever you need, Joe. I'm here for you. You know, love to work here. I, I understand the situation. And the Grizz kid is the same way. You know, I gave him a couple ideas on – on maybe character development a little bit, some 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 gimmick stuff, you know, nothing nothing major, you know, and we can hopefully tweak it a little bit. Uh, same thing with uh, Duke Lawrence, you know, I, I yeah. see a very young Tyshawn Prince in him, and I think there's some great potential. And you know, I had to sit down with him last week, and I I just felt that he wasn't getting his full potential put out there. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, he, he's working numerous places in town and I, I think he should be presented as a monster, you know, and, and, and moving forward, hopefully, uh, you know, he, he proves to me because I, I think he's a guy worth taking a big time shot on. I, I think, you know, he's got that size, you know, he's got the demeanor, you know, I, I think he needs the reps. I think he needs, yeah. you know, you know, more full-time training. You know, he's been bouncing around here at FSW for a couple months. And, you know, due to work schedules and things like that, you know, I bust balls and everything. But I'm 100% truth when I say, hey, you know what? You need to be here. Uh, yeah. that's, that's great that you're showing up here and there. But I can't put you on shows if you're not really committing to training it isn't committing and saying oh you can't work there and you can't work there it's right. when it's time to do do some training you know you can't just show up on cody's class every couple of weeks you got to show up you know sin Bodhi can teach you a lot kenny king can teach you a lot you're getting a great opportunity to learn and you know obviously things have changed because you saw him on the show. So, you know, I feel he's putting in the work, you yeah. know, and, and people see good things in him. So it's like, okay, let's bring him along slow, you know, give him some opportunities. A guy like Ricky, you know, is, is a veteran who, you know, understands what's needed of him. And, and he's a guy that's does that same thing with the Gregory Sharp. You know, I always like putting the youngest, younger guys with him yeah. because you know he's a patient dude you know what i mean it's like you know he sees these guys in training he's he sees their strengths he sees their weaknesses and instead of you know putting somebody else in there who's and it's not being selfish but they're concerned with making sure they look good so they want to go out there and they want to shine and you know, if, if a younger guy messes some things up, you know, it, it, it's easy for a guy to lose his cool. So you want to make sure you're you're in there. 
Not that I think Ricky Tenacious is going to shoot on Big Duke because, you know, it may not fare too well. But the idea is being patient with the guy. And the same thing with, uh, you know, Oliver. You know, he's been in a great position. You know, he did really well again, you know. But he also had the opportunity to work two guys that helped train at FSW in Sin Bodie and Gregory Sharp. So their mindset is, you know, taking the guy for a ride and making sure he, he knows what to do. You know what I mean? And, you know, in the ring, he got the crowd going, same as before. Uh, sometimes when you're younger, I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to being overzealous. But, uh, you know, he kind of rubbed some people the wrong way on his thoughts and ideas. And I let him know, you've had one match, motherfucker. You sit there, and when Greg Sharp says... You know, I want to do this, this, and that. Your only answer is, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, nobody wants to see a guy with one match chiming in on what he thinks is good. And, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, that's... (laughs) Uh, But... You know, I, I like the fact that you said that he's um, he's learning from that. You know, as, you know, some of the guys can take that other road and just be like, yeah, Joe doesn't know what he's talking about. I know what's best for me, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think that you see that, um, you know, he, he looked a little more confident, uh, you know, in, in this outing. Um, oh, yeah, by, by, by far. He definitely, you know wrestled like he belonged to be there you know right. while the first time was like here kid this is sin Bodhi, and you know you're basically on training wheels and you're holding his hand while now it's like okay now we're going to give you an opportunity to do some stuff in there that you may not have had before and you know i think he did everything that he did you know i guess we got to look it over and stuff but it seemed like uh, it was a very strong outing on his part. Um, what did you think about uh, Fresco and uh, Braxton uh, and their match against Hendricks and Serza? Uh, very impressed with the revolution. They, they did a lot of good stuff in there. You know, um, the most difficult thing in when you're coming into FSW is to take two unknown guys against whether you call them a proven entity or regulars that have been around for a long time and then try to present them as baby faces, it's a little bit of a struggle. And to be honest with you, in the perfect world, to me, the revolution come across as kind of a heel tag team to me. But, you know, with Lights, Camera, Faction... You know, they're firmly established as one of the most hated groups. You know, that was the advantage the two young teams had. You know, R3 and Bryce Saturn, you know, our fan base had no real idea who these guys were. They may have heard of a couple of them, whatever. But, you know, anytime you wrestle the Suavecitos or Lights Camera Faction, the fans want to see the opposing people beat the shit out of them. So... 
you know, when R3 has got a huge size and weight advantage on the Suavecitos, they know the Suavecitos are not going to manhandle that dude. You know what I mean? And with Serza and Hendricks, you know, they, they're, when I say they're, they're heel oriented in their look, what you would perceive them down the line, but they do do a lot of crowd pleasing moves. So, you know, they're an exciting young team to watch. And, you know, right now with uh, Toko Uso up in the air, uh, the R&B haven't been used in a while. We're a little light when it comes back to the tag teams. You know, we, we're, we're top tiered with Sky High and TBD and Death Proof. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and the factions kind of slid into that into that grouping right now. And Chase Bell's been out, so Nick Xander's been riding high as a singles act. So I'm pretty sure that going back to a tag is, is kind of defeating the purpose for Nick Xander. Yeah. So, you know, Laz is doing his own thing now. So we, we need those tag teams that we can bring in that are not only going to help enhance – the other guys were trying to push, but we're also looking for tag teams that could come in and now be a threat. And just like Toko Uso, we didn't bring them in just so they can put everybody over. I, I want the strongest to survive. And if you're good enough, great. If you're not good enough, it, is a, it isn't a seniority contest. You, you don't get to be in the top spot because you've been there longer than somebody else. You get there because you're better than somebody else. Right. Um, and, and speaking about guys who uh, are better than somebody else, um, Jay Vidal, title defense, and you mentioned Laz. Um, was was that a, a match that, uh, that you anticipated uh, putting on the show that night, or uh, was it something that kind of came together last minute? Uh, not initially. Um, since we started bringing back Future Shock and so much going on, uh, Remy and, and my kid had a little more influence in what we we're doing. Spider, you know, the video package that we saw, you know, Raw Reese is coming back and, and trying to, you know, put some of that stuff together because I got a lot of big stuff that we're doing. And Future right. Shock is for the younger talent. So why not give Remy and Joey and Spider the opportunity? Because when you get that opportunity, you, you become more invested into the situation instead of, well, Joe said we're doing this, that, and the other thing. You know, I still put the show together. You know what I mean? It was like, hey, these are the matches we're looking at. And Joey actually was trying to get Willie Mack, uh, being that he was local, even though we're going to feature the younger guys, you know, let's blow it up with a huge main event. You know, maybe that makes some more people that, eh, future shock, a lot of younger guys, yeah, we'll pass, UFC's coming up, you know, whatever, you know. Right. So when that kind of fell through, we were kind of, sh- I was trying to bandy about, uh, you know, who we might use. And it was like, okay, well, you know, Jay Vidal is, is one of the most favorite wrestlers. You know, who's who's a good enough young guy 
who can get some heat, work as a heel. You know, I kind of brought up the idea of Laz, uh, Joey and Remy. They were at the school, I guess, that day, which was probably two days before the show. And Joey had mentioned because he saw Laz at Cody's class and said, hey, uh, Laz said if you need him, he's available. And I went through the list of people. And to me, he was the best option uh, to go into that spot. So, you know, we had a couple of late additions. Nick Xander had a show somewhere else. It was canceled. Uh, so we ended up adding him, you know, into the mix. Right. Because despite him being on a lot of shows, he's still a youngster. And he, he was just the rookie of the year. So, yeah. again, getting reps is, you know, extremely important. So the idea of Future Shock is trying to use the young talent, give them more matches, as well as either bringing in some old faces we haven't seen in a while, like an Evan Daniels, or getting the Devin Renos and the Grizz Brodies and seeing if there is that next evolution of the uh, new talent initiative, you know, as we look to bring in guys like in the past, the Percy Drews and a Travis Titan who would make their way out here just to get an opportunity, a Jordan Cruz, you know, last year when we did it, Jordan Cruz and class became, you know, heads above the other younger guys that could make it on a more frequent basis. You know, Travis Titan's very good, Percy Drews, but they're from the Midwest, you know, to get them out here, especially now pricing on flights is insane. And, they know where they're at. Joe DeFalgo is not flying those dudes in from Cleveland, Ohio for 500 bucks. You know what I'm saying? That, that just ain't happening. So, you know, we're trying to get some talent. We got a high octane ground zero on April 23rd. Uh, you know, Viva Van, who is becoming a mainstay, really wants to be here. And why wouldn't you want somebody who's winning titles all over the West Coast uh, to be a focal point of the women's division? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, before we talk a little bit about uh, the next high octane, um, you brought up Evan Daniels. Um, What did you think about, uh, you know, uh, since the last time you you saw him in an FSW ring to – to this uh, outing, and uh, what did you think about uh, Tresario's, uh match, uh, you know, how he was in the match as well? Well, first off, I think uh, Steven Tresario is a tremendous talent, you know, yeah. even though people kind of see him over at Super Beast here and there, and nobody really knows who he is, you know. He's, he's like a diamond in the rough. It's like it's a new talent initiative, but the guy's probably been doing it for 12 years. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. I remember he was moving to town. I think he had hit me up and I mentioned it to Chris Bay and Chris Bay had worked them, I guess, at best of the West or whatever. And he had nothing but good things to say about him. So, you know, it's kind of like that crew, Trusario and Cal Jack look like they're two guys that we're going to incorporate more frequently, you know, in, in FSW. So, yeah. You know, Evan Daniels held his own. Uh, you know, he was always in solid shape, but now he's in very, very, very yeah. good shape. And, you know, Evan Daniels is another guy who kind of slid under the radar. We used him a good amount of times. Like, people don't realize, like, 
he worked shows at the Silverton and Samstown, and he's worked numerous shows for FSW. But sometimes you just get lost in the mix, what we're looking for. You know, the same thing is as talented as Jordan Cruz is, sometimes it's hard to find that slot for that guy because of what we are looking for. You know what I mean? And it was like it took Cal Jack with Brett the Threat to utilize him. You know, Cal Jack came in on a one-off. Pillman missed, couldn't, whatever happened with Pillman, he didn't show up canceled a couple days before and Cal Jack stood up and, you know, had a solid match with Hammerstone and there just wasn't the right mix for him. And now, you know, even though I haven't really seen him much around town doing a lot of shows and again, maybe because it's just Brett the threat and everybody hates the motherfucker. But when Cal Jack got introduced, the crowd went crazy and he has an entrance theme that's similar to the uh, Reno scum to where you want to chant along with it. So it really helps uh, in the process of trying to get over. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, talking a little bit to Cal Jack uh, the other night, um, one of the things that I think is just invaluable with a guy like him is that he wants to nourish and help the guys he sees where he recognizes the talent, help them achieve that level so that they understand going forward um, what might be asked of them, uh, what they should be, you know, looking for in terms of character or situations in the ring. And that's invaluable to have a guy like that who has experience you know, for a couple of years over at the performance center and really wants to give back. And, um, you know, it, it just seems like, um, it's going to be another fabulous, uh, person, you know, that's going to be around FSW, uh, that's going to make others want to come here because you know that, Hey, I can get, you know, Cal Jack watching my match and giving me some feedback and, I could pick his brain. So I, I think that's wonderful to see happening. Um, so with the high octane coming up here, um, is there anything so far that you've put together uh, for that show or are things still in the uh, early planning? Uh, it's still in the early planning, but we are going to, you know, jumpstart that really quick. You know what I mean? I want to make sure, you know, you know, have been having some stuff done at the house and, you know, running around, not really being able to focus as much on, on what's going on. But, you know, today, you know, hopefully before Thursday, you know, we at least have, you know, some core matches, what we're looking at, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Bateman is returning to FSW on the 23rd. Uh, TBD will be here. Viva Van will be here. The No Limits champion, Jay Vidal, will be here. Uh, you know, I'm trying to confirm, but I'm pretty sure uh, Gregory Sharp and Remy Marcel will be there. So it's going to be a solid card. Hammerstone won't be there. Uh, I know um, the faction won't be there. So we're going to hold off a little uh, as that, you know, storyline progresses because uh, – <coughs> Our boy Navajo, 
uh, is also running that day. Yeah. So a couple of, you know, a guy like Hammerstone and Graves, uh, Jacob Austin Young, they're, they're all going to be there. That's one of their, one of the couple of the home places where those guys work on a frequent basis. You know, we've locked yeah. Hammerstone up for the uh, Memorial Day AEW weekend. I've lined him up for the anniversary show. So, you know, a guy of his stature, you know, if he needs to do something somewhere else, you know, we're, we're good with it. You know, he, he's great and he, you know, works uh, more shows than he probably should for us. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, no, no sweat. You know, that's also the key of having so much talent that, you know, if Hammerstone and Graves aren't there and Jacob Austin Young and, and that Arizona crew, there's still, you know, there's Damian Drake, you know, I'm pretty sure he'll be there, you know, and it's just trying to, to mix and match and make fresh matchups and, you know, continue stories that were leading toward the anniversary so, you know, give me a couple days, you know, because there's also some guys we have to add to the mix to right. see, you know, who's going to be available for that show. And, you know, I've gotten Bateman for a couple of uh, matches or a couple of appearances, you know, in my mind, whether it happens or not, you know, years ago. Uh, the name Violence Unlimited, you may know it from Ring of Honor, but it was actually the tag team name of Funny Bone and Bateman in 2010. So, you know, who's to say we don't revisit the old tag team partners, which gives them, you know, they probably haven't worked each other in years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, those guys can go out and, that could be the uh, one of the crazier matches set up for the anniversary show. Yeah. So, you know, we will see. So, you know, we got a lot of good things in store. You know, the tag team division, who's deserving of that title shot? You know what I mean? Uh, right now, it looks like Lights, Camera, Faction is the front runners as top contenders. You know, I also had a great conversation with uh, uh, former tag team champions that are uh, looking to return. And we've had some conversations in the past, but it's looking very, very uh, probable that we're all seemingly more on the same page as we were before in, in trying to make this happen. And like I said, you know, I want the best of the best. Eli Everfly is number one contender for Jay Vidal. You know, you got a Brandon Gatson. You got Danny Limelight, who's right on nipping, was nipping at the heels of, uh, of Jay Vidal. Love to see that match, too. You know, yeah. there's so many matches. And we also want to be fresh, you know, when there's other matches going on in town. It doesn't really help me whether we have more people or not. The fact of the matter is, if you've seen it there, who cares about seeing it here, too? You right. know what I mean? It's like, so there's a good core of guys that only work for us. And, you know, it's, it makes it a little easier to make those fresh matchups. And that's everything we're trying to key on is making their 
a reason why you need to come to that FSW show, you know? Huh. Oh, well, I saw that over there and I see that over here. And again, there's a few of the guys there and it's like, you know, this is different than 10 years ago when we were the only game in town. So yeah. we have to keep pushing the envelope. We have to keep going out there and making sure people say, Oh shit. Yeah. FSW, man. That's, that's the place to go train. That's the place to go watch a show. That's the place to wrestle on a show. You know, we're the ones who put together I put together the deal with GCW and Impact and Ring of Honor back in the day because that wrote that all that hard work, global force wrestling, it may not have amounted to a lot, but it got Sanjay, Sanjay Dutt and Jeff Jarrett in our corner. So when Jeff Jarrett was gone and Sanjay Dutt became a major player on impact. You know, we got a lot of our people on that show. You know what I mean? When Sanjay Dutt left to go to WWE and Chris Bay showed up, they needed a guy for a match. Sanjay Dutt was like right there, Chris Bay, use him. They used Chris Bay who worked Davari's brother and then the next day, all of a sudden, uh, Impact woke up and said, hey, Mr. Bay, we got a contract offer for you. So those things that end up happening are based off what was done years ago and continuing and continuing to culture relationships with as many people as you can. You know, AEW, we didn't really know them much, but... They needed something. They came to us. You know, they used probably 12, 15 guys. Evan Daniels was a, uh, a early Chris Jericho, as was Damian Drake, yeah. you know, and a lot of our younger guys and even, you know, some others got to be part of the Dark Order and they got to be part of seeing what a major, major pay-per-view with a sold-out crowd was like to be a part of, you right. know. Hopefully... You know, we got Dustin Rhodes showed up uh, because they with Cutie Marshall. And, you know, Cutie's one of the main guys there right now. Yeah. And, you know, so if they used us for stuff before, hopefully they'll come knocking on the door again. You know, uh, speaking of cultivating those relationships uh, and uh, kind of mentioned it, uh, the AW weekend, Memorial Day weekend, uh, the Full Tilt Collective is uh, going to be on display. Uh, anything uh, new uh, since last week in terms of any developments uh, with what's going on with uh, that weekend? Well, we, we, we have settled in our time slot. We're going to be doing uh, the Friday night FSW versus Revolver at 730 I know Rampage is running, but their taping starts at 3 o'clock. Doors open at 2. It's like, how many AEW matches are you going to watch? 20? You know what I mean? Even then, it still should be over within four or five hours. But yeah. the bottom line is, there's a lot of AEW that weekend. Are you going to want to come and not come to the FSW Revolver show? We already know Hammerstone's going to be there. Trey Miguel is going to be there. Davey Richards is going to be there. Kenny King's going to be there. You know, look at the best of FSW. You know, Jay Vidal is going to be there. Uh, 
you know, Sammy Callahan, uh, his girl, Jessica Havoc, uh, pretty certain she'll be there. So we're going to have to have one of our women battle her, obviously. Uh, maybe a, uh, a returning name from the past. Uh, guys like Mike Bailey, you know, yeah. rumbling about, hey, what about Mike Bailey and Vandegrift? What about Ace Austin? You know, there, there are so many guys you know, uh, Sammy's talking about a guy like Jonah. You know, we're talking about, even though he hasn't wrestled that much for FSW, uh, we'll take uh, Vegas's own Jeff Cobb and help us represent uh, against Revolver. You know, TJP, you know, he's tentatively been set. Uh, looks like it's going to be good to go because he had mentioned possibly going to Japan for the Super Juniors. Uh, but I saw he was booked Saturday, the Saturday, the 28th for warrior wrestling. So, you know, hopefully we lock him up, uh, a Tom Lawler who's here local, you know, still trying to figure out if we can get the Mecca grand champion killer cross. Uh, if not, maybe we can get the old Mecca grand champion, uh, John Morrison, Johnny Mecca. So there's so many people that are going to be in town, you know, Adam Brooks, uh, you know, perfect guy for a multi-man, a Willie Mack. So it's an endless list. Rich Swan, you know, haven't seen Rich Swan since him and Ricochet had one of the best matches of the year against the Reno scum at uh, one of our anniversary shows years ago. Yeah. So it would be kind of cool to see uh, Swan in the ring again for FSW. That'd be, uh, that'd be really cool. Um, Man, there's so much. And just saying all those names, there is so much talent uh, that is going to be in town for that weekend. It's kind of. Right. And we haven't even like touched the, you know, we haven't even gotten any word from GCW who, you know, will be bringing in, you know, so, some major names, you know, <laughs> are the Briscoes going to be here? Hmm. You know, who wouldn't want to see, you know. You know, I'd love to see the American Wolves against Death Proof, but yes, the Briscoes and the Wolves, I'm not sure that's been done very many times. And on an AEW weekend like that with all those fans there, you know, I, I'm thinking Silver Nugget sells out if that match is happening. You, you know what yeah. I mean? As many great matches. You know, the only other match I see that could sell out is Sammy Callahan's good friend, John Moxley, uh, taking on the Mecca Grand Champion, Killer Cross, for the Mecca Grand Championship. Now, I'm pretty certain that that could sell out uh, the Silver Nugget. So, you know, it gets the juices flowing because it's like, you know, who's GCW using? You know, Ricky Morton, you know, Too Cold Scorpio, you know, Effie's going to be there, you know, Nick Gage is going to be there. You know, are we going to do something together on the Sunday? You know, we haven't had that chance to have like this group giant call with the four of us discussing, you know, who they're looking to bring in that we can piggyback, you know, save a little money on those expensive flights. You know, some of these guys might work three, four, five times that weekend. You know yeah. what I mean? I know Matt Vandegrift, uh, who moved away, he'll be in town for that weekend. Because, you know, he's chomping at the bit because he knows Joe's going to give him somebody that he's going to have a fun match with. 
And, you know, him and Mike Bailey, hey, you know, that could be it. Wow. That could be really, that could be really nice. I um, know uh, Remy Marcel has some heat with OVE for getting stuck on a flight in Europe uh, at when stars collide, the original Mecca. And Havoc and uh, Callahan were able to make the flight, but the OVE got bumped. And, you know, maybe Remy Marcel, you know, I know he, he's been banging for that match with Jay Christ. So, you know, there's a lot of options, man. And there's so much talent, you know, that's why we're looking to run. Still waiting to hear back. Maybe Booker T gets involved on a Sunday afternoon, just like we did Sunday at noon last uh, SummerSlam weekend because WWE did the pay-per-view at 5 o'clock. Uh, pre-show, whatever, started at 4. Uh, we're 10 minutes away from Allegiant, so we go 12 to 2. And we sold out the arena FSW versus GCW with a WWE fan base in town and GCW fan base. Now we got an AEW fan base, you know, some Revolver fans, Black Label fans. All those fans are those super indie fans of the type of show we're running. So why wouldn't we be able to sell a good amount of tickets for that Sunday afternoon show? You know, we're also talking about a Thursday evening show. You know, people will be in town Wednesday for Dynamite. What the hell are they going to do on Thursday? I don't know. Head on down to the FSW arena and either watch wrestling or, or maybe we'll have a uh, Rob Van Dam comedy special. <laughs> that yeah, that would be that would be a treat. Um, yeah, and and one of the things too is uh, you mentioned SummerSlam weekend. It was Allegiant. Here it's T-Mobile, so it's even more accessible in terms of getting into the stadium. As opposed to Allegiant, where you know sometimes it's a cluster getting in there because of all the traffic, but with T-Mobile, you head over there, you get there within you know thirty minutes, and literally be right through the door into your seat. Right. Just, you, yeah. You you can just park yourself instead of uh, with Allegiant. Yeah. You know, I heard from when well, I was I was reading Polly Cover stuff it was like a hundred hundred and fifty bucks for an Uber, and you had to walk a mile for like a hundred bucks only. So. And and he was and he was with Sal. So uh, if you're with Sally, uh, you know, Sally going to be like, uh, "Hey, let's just walk the five miles because uh, you know." Yeah, you know, <laughs> Sally ain't coming out of pocket like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. And and you haven't even met. I mean, I mean, Black Pro, uh, Black Liberal Pro as well. You know, they've got a bunch of talented. Uh. You know people up in Chicago. So black label. I'm sorry. What was that? I didn't say anything. You kind of froze oh, for a second. So sorry. A black label pro coming from Chicago. They've got all, you know, some talented guys coming out of there. Um, so it should be uh, interesting to see what they're bringing. Um, and then um, it looks like uh, uh, Ed's show uh, is coming together for the women. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ed's gonna be, well, it's gonna, Saturday's gonna start the day at 11 a.m. And you got Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, they're gonna be doing a, uh, a meet and greet along with the Q&A. So, you know, I heard tickets are moving on that. 
So that should be cool, you know. And then Ed's doing the women's show, and he's bringing in top names like he usually does. You know what I mean? And, you know, that goes from 12 to 2. Revolver's going to run their own show at 4 o'clock. I know, uh, you know, Sammy's trying to see if he could get, uh, you know, a guy he's very close to, part AEW now, uh, Swerve Strickland. So, you know, we know AEW doesn't allow their guys to work the Friday show, and I'm pretty sure they're not going to allow a lot of them to work at all. But I think he's got a decent enough relationship that they may let him, you know, you, you know, grab one of them because I hit up my guy Jay Lethal, and he was pretty certain he wasn't going to be able to uh, work any shows. And now that they're using Toa and Brian Cage on the Ring of Honor stuff, you know that that again, Brian Cage would be a major guy to use uh, to represent former FSW champion, you know, uh, to take on you know, somebody from Revolver. So, you know, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Brian Cage and uh, Shane Strickland. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, do it, do it before uh, uh, Tony gets the idea and puts it on yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, only if they know. do, only if they're both in their Lucha Underground gimmicks. Oh, hey, man, you know, you get you get cross, uh, you get uh, Johnny Mecca, you get Taya. I mean, you could actually run a Lucha Underground show on uh, one of those days. Yeah, would it be like Mecca 7.5? Yeah. <laughs> That's the um, thing. It's almost like it's, it's almost like it's really F, it's really, really FSW Mecca versus Wrestling Revolver. Yeah. That's what it really is, because we have to bring in the best of the best. We're going live on Fight TV. You know, yeah. regardless of how good a lot of our guys are, they are not as known on a national basis. So, of course, we're going to still sprinkle in some of our, our guys like we did with GCW. But with Revolver, you know, there's some big, big name guys that we would use on a Mecca like a Brian Cage and a Jeff Cobb and, as we said, and a Willie Mack and these guys, you know, have a good opportunity to uh, TJP, you know. So yeah. I, I started putting stuff together, and it's like, geez, it's going to be like a 30-fucking-match card. You know what I mean? It's like how many how many eight-man tags and, and six-way scrambles are we going to be able to get, brother? Oh, the Joe DeFalco special. That's right. <laughs> I might bring the Frey match back. <laughs> you know, people are unaware of that Frey match. And I was always a big fan early on. Two guys start, but it's only pinfall or submission. Right. And then every minute another guy comes in. You know, that's yeah. where Bryce Harrison got his start in a seven-man Frey. Wow. He lasted, he lasted 30 seconds. That was his foot in the door. He climbed up, he ran in, climbed off the top rope, hit a missile drop kick, somebody caught him, boom, one, two, three, see you later. <laughs> They're exciting matches, the fray matches. You know, GCW yeah. does some stuff similar to that. Yeah, it's um I th and I think a lot of that is because there's so much talent out there that a lot of companies are now picking up on that concept. Uh, you know, just to you know, give guys opportunities and, and to get 
um, a lot of your roster uh, or guys trying to be a part of your roster on, on shows. Um, you know, speaking of shows, um, with uh, Ring of Honor uh, booting back up, uh, we got a look uh, at Samoa Joe for the first time uh, wrestling on AEW television uh, this past week. Um, and it looks like they're setting up Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. Is that a smart way to go when you've basically had Jay Lethal losing uh, since he got in all these high-profile matches? And now when you're bringing in Samoa Joe, most likely you probably aren't going to give him a loss uh, to Lethal. As a promoter, as someone who books, um, is that something that is kind of a... a a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because the matchup's so good, but at the same time, you're kind of going to be giving one of those guys kind of the, you know, the shaft. And in a bigger company with all the potential that's out there and all the names that are out there that keep getting hired, how is it that you're able then to convince uh, someone to stay with the company if uh, they're not necessarily, you know, getting um, at least the right rub, uh, you know, in, in their mind, let's say, uh, to make them want to stay around, to feel appreciated. Is that, does that sometimes just come down to the person, to the uh, situation, to the money that they're getting paid? Uh, and with you having the same kind of uh, luxury of having all this talent, is that something that kind of hits you sometimes of, you know, you kind of have to have a delicate balance so that you're not making, uh, you know, someone who has an established name go, yeah, you know, I had a good time, but yeah, in the end, I, I, you know, I'm good. I, I'm just going to move on. Well, I personally, going back to part of the first question, I would have Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal headline the next Ring of Honor show. Because if you're trying to establish Ring of Honor, that's a great way to do it. The old-time fans will dig it. The new time, the newer fans will be there because you can also sprinkle in, and you don't have to do everybody, but if you sprinkle in a CM Punk or a Brian Danielson, it, it's like, WWE has sold itself on the nostalgia at WrestleMania of bringing in Austin even beforehand to do an angle and Bret Hart and, you know, The Rock and everybody. But those right. were guys that were retired and long past their prime. When you talk about Ring of Honor and their heyday, these guys were so young that they're still at the peak of their game right now. So having a Brian Danielson wrestling Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor championship, to me, is a big deal on Ring of Honor, but it's not as big a deal on AEW Dynamite. Right. You know what I mean? And it's right. like they're in a position right now with Ring of Honor to use the combination of the best of the best because Ring of Honor was that starting ground for so many talented guys. So they went on to be WWE superstars. 
You know, they went to be New Japan superstars. You know, now, you know, the AEW superstars. And now you have a lot of these guys already under contract. Jay Lethal comes in. He lost to Sammy Guevara. He came in. He lost to somebody else. You know, in AEW, he was he's being presented as another guy. You know, watching AEW a lot, I'm never that enamored with, oh, wow, what great stories and, oh, what a booker. But I really like what was done at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. It was like, okay, you bring in a legend like Tully Blanchard. Uh, you bring in, a, he has a new tag team. Uh, Toa comes in, a guy who can be a breakout star. Uh, I guess uh, the guy Quan was part of Shane Taylor's group. So he has, you know, that Ring of Honor, you know, sprinkle on him so that yeah. the current fans see a guy because most of the old ring of honor talent kind of showed up to put over the AEW talent. So at least Juan's a a fresh guy, but bringing Jonathan Gresham in and, you know, putting Suzuki on as the uh, TV champion. Like I wouldn't just throw him on an AEW match. I, I would, I would now focus him on ring of honor, but now the problem becomes, yeah, that's easy to say. But if they're now regrouping and the next Ring of Honor show is not for four months, you kind of miss the boat on the angle of Jay Lethal with Samoa Joe, and you almost have to do it on AEW. So it's easy for me to sit back and say, hey, you know what? Terrible shit, man. I'd fucking do this, 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 and this. But if you're not in a position to do it, you could talk out your ass all fucking day. You know what I mean? It's like Tony Khan's got some TV shows and I I don't know if having Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal is going to be a big deal because to be honest with you on AEW Dynamite, if it's on Dynamite, it's not even the main event. It's going to be some middle of the road match because they're going to focus on AEW main storylines and Jericho's ahead of them still. And you got Paige He's the champion, and, you know, you got the TNT title, and you got the tag titles, and you got all these great tag teams that now Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe are, are kind of lost in the shuffle. But, yeah. you know, in a perfect world, I, I would wait as long as I could to make it the main focus of the next big Ring of Honor show. And and with that thought, it – you know, it seems to be um, that Tony Khan is trying to uh, get Warner uh, to, you know, uh, give them some kind of Ring of Honor show, um, you know, whether it be TBS, TNT or, or another Warner uh, property. Um, so in the meantime, uh, it looks like if you want to keep that brand, uh, you know, kind of getting some stories going and whatnot, it looks like you're going to have to have Ring of Honor matches on their other programming, uh, which could also be a confusing thing as well, but it also could, you know, potentially help uh, some of those viewers who might be newer to AEW go, oh, what's this? They know about Ring of Honor. Let's check this out. So it's an interesting, um, an interesting position for them to be in. 
Uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about this week that um, I really, I, I, I don't think I've ever uh, asked you this, and that is when you were growing up on the East Coast, um, did you get a chance to watch NWA wrestling? And was that something when WCW took over? Um, did you have a knowledge of WCW before you, you know, started seeing stuff like the NWO? Um, were you watching the product at all or was it? Something Bro, I'm watch? way older than you, man. The WCW, I, I, I was watching NWA uh, well, from the yeah, TBS. Yeah, WCW was way past, you know, I started watching wrestling. I remember sitting in my house. I don't know if we were turning the channels and I'm like, ah, what the fuck is this shit? You know, and some of the NWA stuff I love, man. The Midnight Express with uh, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton was my, to this day, I'll put them down as my favorite tag team of all time as much as I loved the Hart Foundation. You know, I, I hated Condry. And I hated the other dude. I right. thought it was brilliant with the storyline with Heyman. But, you know, I hated the Rock and Roll Express. I hated the Fantastics. So I guess it was a lot of that Southern stuff. You know, yeah. I was a big fan of, of Sid Vicious, you know, when he was Sid Vicious. You know, yeah. I remember uh, Mean Mark, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that the was more the WCW days. Yeah, when, Initially, it was uh, Dan Spivey with with Sid Vicious, so yeah. I was a big NWA guy in the in the in the late eighties. You know, probably even before. No, it had to be the early eighties, I guess. You know, sure. and you know, Flair was the champ. I remember when he lost to Ronnie Garvin. I was like, "What the fuck, Ronnie Garvin?" And they just did it to like because Ronnie Garvin was over, I think, in North Carolina, and they yeah. they they put the belt on him, and then two weeks later. It made it a bigger deal that Flair regained the belt. I was right. always a Jimmy Garvin guy myself. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. You know, Hell gorgeous yeah. Jimmy. You know, that's where Remy Marcel, he could say whatever he wants. That's where Remy Marcel yeah. <laughs> should have been more like Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great comparison. That yeah. Uh yeah, no, no. and I know Remy's listening, so you know. <laughs> Oh, Remy. Uh, Remy is the best Remy Marcel that I've ever seen. So we'll leave it at that. Yes, Um, we do that. Well, what what I'm getting at is um, there was that time period where WCW, right around the time Flair left for WWE, it, you know, they were having a struggle to keep ratings, you know, to, to get people watching. And, uh, you know, of course, when they signed Hogan in 94, it started to pick up again and then, you know, kind of fizzled a little bit until the NWO in that two year period. Um, the question is at that, that beginning point when they became WCW, you had so much talent there. You had, you know, Austin, uh, you had Ricky Steamboat, you had Shane Douglas, you had all these guys. Ravishing uh, Rick Rude, brother. Yep. Honky Tonk Man was in there for a little bit. Um, yeah, he was over by then. <laughs> they had Jake the Snake, too. But... Jake the Snake, yep. 
Well, you had, then, they had Luger. Yep. Yeah. And you, you know, had, Luger was a big deal for a while. People could shit on Luger all they want, but he got pushed down people's throat and, and people did care. You know, yeah. when he tortured Rack Hogan and won the belt on Nitro, man, the crowd went crazy. Well, that's a, you know, that's, a, and that's another good point too. And, and it kind of ties into what we we're talking about ROH. And that is when you're in that situation and you've, you know, you have these ratings and you're trying to keep not only your ratings up for the revenue coming in, but because of the ad revenue coming in with the networks, um, does doing something like they did with a Luger getting the belt on TV make sense versus having something like that happening on the pay-per-view? They did the same thing with Goldberg when they had Goldberg win the title from Hogan. Does that make a difference? Um, you know, that one it, was horrible. It, yeah, it was. It was one of they, the worst. They, they, you know, Goldberg would have sold tons of pay-per-views. You know, yeah, they had a great crowd in Atlanta for the match, and it was a big nitro. But that that was like the king of the hot shot right there was, right. you know, Goldberg, you're going to have him win. You know, you do a schmoz there, and then, you know, the NWO comes up and fucks him up, and then it leads to a match at the pay-per-view, you know, no DQ, whatever you're going to do, and have Goldberg win, you know, as brilliant as the push was and what they did with him was the drizzling shits that they were just like, all they cared about was beating WWE. And we had a guy who didn't care about wrestling business per se. He wanted to put me out of business. And thought it was just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to use their guys and I'm going to put Joe out of business because he's an asshole and, you know, he doesn't want to let me be part of his company. Go fuck yourself. Okay. So I knew at that moment that I was fine because number one, the guy was never going to outwork me. Yeah. And number two, his true colors eventually got exposed. And out the door, he was done. And it's, it's a similar thing with WCW, that they were so enamored on Vince McMahon that the big picture didn't matter to them. So right. they were willing to give up a half a million pay-per-view buys just to say they beat Monday Night Raw. Well, yeah. you know, a half a million buys at 50 bucks a pop and then you get 50% of it is probably, you know, $25 million or something for one event that they probably would have gotten. And, you know, that almost sort of became the beginning of the end because every, every Nitro ending involved the NWO and somebody else getting involved and everything was a bullshit ending. Yeah. And then WWF came in and they changed their, their whole mindset of what they were going to do. And, you know, when, when, it, when push came to shove, you know, Vince stepped it up. Obviously, right now, Vince doesn't look at AEW as the threat WCW was. Because guess what? They don't care about their house shows. They don't care about pay-per-views. 
You know, I said on my radio show, WWE, all they got to do is go to Saudi Arabia two, three times a year and collect money from Peacock. So they, they just need to put out content. They don't yeah. even need one fan to go there. That's like gravy, the fans being yeah. at events. You know, when I grew up, you ran Madison Square Garden every single month. Now you run it twice a year. You ran yeah. 20 shows minimum per month on the house shows. And people hated coming to Vegas. I remember talking with The Godfather because the house was always shit at yeah. Thomas and Mac for a house show. Unless it was on TV, nobody came. I remember the last time they came out here for a house show, they probably did like 1,500 people at the Thomas and Mac. And yeah. now it doesn't matter. That's why they don't do house shows. When they do, they try to make it a big deal like the Garden. And, hey, Brock Lesnar's going to be there, and they're going to do this. You know, when I grew up in the 70s, shit, you know, I used to get to watch it on the MSG network live because the fact of the matter was it was sold out. So nobody cared. It wasn't like back in in modern days, they wouldn't air it. It would be blacked out because they'd want to make you buy a ticket. But MSG was sold out the the day they announced the date tickets went on sale. And the funny thing was you at Madison Square Garden the next day you were at Nassau Coliseum running the same matches. And the day after you were at the Meadowlands and then you went to Boston and then you went to Providence and then you probably went to New Haven or, or, you know, the other one, the big one is New Haven, the big one. No. Yeah. There's Bridgeport, New Haven, Hartford, Hartford, Hartford. Yeah. Hartford was a big one. And then they go back to Poughkeepsie to go at the uh, Civic Center over there to run TV. And yeah. every dollar mattered. And, and those guys weren't making it unless they showed on the house shows. Now, everybody's got guaranteed contracts. They're making shit tons of money on a WrestleMania now. And, you know, the, the cameos and, and everything else. You know, it is a great time to be a wrestler if you can make it. Yeah. In the WWE, and now you got AEW, and now you can make a living on, uh, you know, at Impact and New Japan, and all these guys who don't get to WWE can now be very comfortable in, in their living uh, and have to work, you know, one fifth of the days that they used to back in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the um, you know, I remember at the peak uh, in the eighties when. Uh, you know, they'd be at the Rosemont Horizon uh, in the afternoon and then up in Milwaukee uh, at night. And that was the uh, B squad, you know, where the A squad was over on the East Coast or on the West Coast, you know. So, it yeah, definitely- even then, sometimes it was the A squad and B squad. But Ric Flair would have to go over and uh, do double duty. He always used to joke about twice on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> it was it, it was it was legit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when you look at what's going on in the climate today and, you know, I brought up NWA slash WCW just because of the fact that it's reminiscent of being on the uh, the Turner networks uh, like AEW is now. And uh, there was just something that um, has kind of uh, turned up this week where uh, it looks like 
when this merger is going through uh, for for Warner, that um, basically TBS is going to have a new programming director, and there's not a real um, there's not a real sense of security right now as it goes right off the bat, just because of a wrestling's always had the stigma in some people's minds and B, um, you know, the person who struck up the AEW deal and got the, um, extension on that, uh, was let go, uh, about a year or, or so ago. And it looks like they should be safe, but there's always that factor of the network, um, you know, changing hands and now having a different direction. And we kind of saw that in WCW too, where Bischoff thought he had a deal in place to buy WCW. And as soon as they pulled the television spot, he had no place to put the product. So the deal fell through. Um, is that something that wrestling fans, like if you want to keep a company in business and maybe it's, part of their you know problem in terms of not being able to have marketed well enough to expand past their you know average of 700,000 to 900,000 with AEW um is that the way that you need to basically um you know get the wrestling fans to stay behind the product and you know tell their friends and they tell their friends so that when you have higher numbers and even though TBS, you know, it, you can say AEW is their biggest rated show, but at the same time, the only other like real fresh programming they're doing is, is basketball. Does that become just something that is kind of worrisome because of what you just said? And that is, it's a great time for wrestlers. You're getting these contracts. You're, you're, finally in a position where you don't have to be with the WWE to make a living and a very comfortable living doing this. Um, but that it could all potentially change, you know, in a matter of a network just saying, Hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're not going to make you a priority anymore. Um, is that where wrestling fans need to really kind of take notice and try to, you know, push as hard um, to not crap on the product, but to try to get as many people to watch the product uh, amongst their own peers so that you still have a successful company um, because they're only a couple of years in, they're still building and you'd hate to see the potential get yanked from under them just because of the fact that um, there's turnover with a network. Well, first off, wrestling fans are totally different than basketball fans, okay? As a basketball fan, you love the Lakers, but you hate the Kings. You love the Nets now, and you hate the Knicks, or you hate the Celtics, but you still love basketball. In wrestling, it's like you have to choose. Oh, AEW is the best. FS. WWE fucking sucks. Oh, WWE is the best. AEW, bunch of spot monkeys. Bad, 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 bad. And it's like, 
there's inner fighting amongst the wrestling fans. All like that shit, and that's no good, and that that's great. And it's like maybe if more wrestling fans came together, wrestling fans, you know, I guess the the young bucks said something about something to do with the the fans being the most toxic uh, sports fans because to us wrestling is a sport, right? And it's a hundred percent true, man. It's like you go on Facebook, you go on Twitter. You know, for every 50 things you see about how great something was, you're going to find 50 others that are shitting all over it. It's the worst fucking thing they've ever seen. You know, if you're an AEW guy, no matter what WWE does, oh, that was stupid. I can't believe it. AEW would never do that. Like the latest, oh, I personally think, Ezekiel, Elias's brother, the dude shaved. He looks totally different. If if somebody said that was his brother, I I would believe it. I don't know why WWE is saying that. And, you know, you get the AEW fans. Oh, that's what an idiot. How can they do that? As they put over the wrestling dinosaur guy with the mask, Luchasaurus. But that's believable. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the whole idea is you're suspending belief. If you like something, that's great. You know, I'm on the yeah. fence either way. You know what I mean? Like I keep up with WWE, man. Do I think there's things that they do so badly? A thousand percent. I think they do way more bad than they do good when it comes to the product, but their product is not geared toward a 56 year old guy. Who's been a lifelong wrestling fan because they know the lifelong wrestling fans are never going anywhere. They're trying to get, which was what they've done. They've gotten the families because they got the kids. The kids get the mom and dad to buy all the shit. Yeah. You know, FSW wishes we had more kids. We're a little more, you know, adult oriented. You, You know what I mean? But if we had 50 kids more showing up, that would mean we had 150 more people because mom and dad are probably coming. Yeah. So if I got 50 fans here, I'm getting at least 100 or 150. If I get 50 adult fans, I got 50. Simple arithmetic. Would you rather have 100 or 150 or would you rather have 50? A right. 35-year-old man isn't necessarily going to buy a John Cena t-shirt, but his 12 year old kid has to have the John Cena, the Roman Reigns, the Steve Austin, the rock, all these guys. So by doing that, you're getting the potential of far more merchandise being sold. So WWE is in it for the money. And Vince, whether he loves wrestling still and and whatever it is, he is a bottom line business and business is about making money. Joe DeFalco, when he first started FSW, man, my goal was to break even and get the money back I invested. Like, oh, this is going to be great if I could just get my money back. But after a while, you realize how much time and effort you put into everything and you've neglected other parts of your life that you still need to make money. You know, I stopped being a DJ in the strip clubs. 
You know what I mean? It was like I try to focus on growing the business. And, you know, life still works. The in-laws live there. It's like, you know, you're finagling, you know, to make a good enough living, but not kill yourself. You know what I mean? So Tony Khan eventually is going to be like, man, I love wrestling. It's kind of like when you get that investor. And we did that in the IWF back in the day. Oh, money's no object, man. The guy's name was Moore or something. Suppose big time dude, Google him. Big time shit. Money's no object. Because he was told, man, you're going to make a lot of money in this. Oh, yeah, that's great. How, how much for that first show? Fucking 25000 Whatever it was, it was like everybody asked for the highest rate they could possibly ask for. And it's like, well, how about you get the guy to pay you four times instead of one time? Right. And before the show even happened, Morris pulled out because he saw there was no way he was going to get his money back, even though to him he said money was no object. Money is always an object if you start losing it all the time. Yeah. And Tony Khan cannot continue signing guys to million-dollar deals and run a few pay-per-views a year and not really run house shows that often. Right. Because he's not making enough money on the back end of the TV deal. Because Vince McMahon's been doing it for 60 fucking years. This yeah. guy's been doing it for two. So he has to go out there and prove himself. And just like Dixie Carter, she never made money. She lost millions of dollars of her, of her father's money every single year. But money yeah. was no object until it was finally like, Get rid of this motherfucker because I'm not losing any more millions of dollars. I've reached my limit. Yeah. And, you know, that's the same thing. You know, AEW's got a couple of more years. Now, will they just cancel them? Probably not. But they may say, oh, your, your, your rights package that was paying X amount of millions of dollars. Yeah, we can't do that anymore. We can do 60% of it. Well, 60% of it's not going to be paying uh, for Chris Jericho and Omega and the Young Bucks and Danielson and Miro. You know, those guys signed there because they were making shit tons more money than they were going to make in an impact wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, John Moxley's making a lot of money. And Jeff Hardy, I guarantee you, is making a lot of money. Matt Hardy is making a lot of money and they have 50 guys making a lot of money because, well, why are you going to go over there when you know you can make a lot of money over here? And the thing with WWE is you can make a lot of money, but then your career's over and you can still make a lot of money. Yeah. You know, all those guys that come back as long as they're in Vince's good graces and, you know, the Godfather going back three times a year to film this and film that. And now they're going to do a, a BSK story about them. I used to hear those stories every day at work. And it was, you know, it was Bradshaw, Yokozuna, Umaga, uh, Henry O. Godwin, and Phineas or whatever. And they had their crew, Rikishi. And basically it was Undertaker. You know, it was basically who are we going to fuck up at the bar? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was like, 
<laughs> you, you would just hear these stories that in most cases you probably can't tell anymore. Yeah. So, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the PG 13 version of the BSK story that's supposed to be coming soon. So yeah. Should they be worried? Of course. But I got six billion in the bank. How fucking worried am I going to be? I don't know. Probably not too. Yeah, um, you know, and then and that's you know, hopefully the uh, the moral of the story is that yeah, you know, uh, if uh, if you own the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously you're not worried about failing every year. So you're not worried about losing money every year because those yeah. motherfuckers don't sell shit tickets. No, no, and but, uh, but their rights deals again. NFL is the highest paid, you know, sports company in the world. So the fact that they have forty thousand in a seventy thousand seat arena doesn't mean anything because they're all going to get to split ten billion dollars a year in TV revenue. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just interesting to see because. Um, you just kind of uh, you hope that um, where we are now uh, that it doesn't it doesn't hit that that uh, that ebb again where you know it just kind of you know peters out for for a while where wrestling kind of uh, goes back down uh, to where guys are you know struggling to to make a, a living uh, as we wrap up here, Joe. Um, when uh, when you think about um, everything in Vegas, uh, you know, kind of feeling like it's a little bit back to normal. Uh, looks like people are going out, um, you know, everywhere I seem to go, it seems to be fairly busy. Um, and you as a business owner, obviously, you know, you're, you're going to see a better influx when people can go out and about. Does it concern you at all? that um, some cities now with the uh, latest uh, COVID rise again are starting to uh, reconsider first off the mask mandates. And um, if it does get to the point where it becomes a little more, um, you know, uh, of a problem uh, where there's more hospitalizations, that potential of, you know, limiting events again might come back into play. Does that ever go into your mind of uh, what happens if that gets put into effect again? It does, but let me tell you something. They had enough when they pulled the masks. We were at like 20 fucking percent. And they were like, fuck this shit. Take the fucking masks off. We're at 5%. It's going to take a lot to get. It wasn't even 20%. It was like 30%. And we weren't wearing masks anymore. Yeah. So... I think we're done unless it's like something really, really, really major. You know, I saw something about in Philly. You know, the thing was in Vegas it was like you were supposed to wear a mask and in half the places you didn't. And yeah. nobody gave a fuck. They were like, we're done. You know, you have to wear a mask. OK, I'll just hold the cigarette in my mouth. I'll have the I'll have the drink in my hand. It was like it, it was mind boggling what they made you do so I don't smoke or drink. So I have to sit there with the mask smelling everybody else's smoke because that was their way of not wearing a mask. Yeah. So 
you know, when we did events, when you were supposed to wear a mask, we told people to wear a mask at our place. And when we went out to the other places, people would ask me, I'm like, yeah, I, you're supposed to wear a mask. It's all I know. Nobody enforced it. What am I going to do? I'm going I'm to get a microphone and say you have to wear a fucking mask. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of thought it was bullshit wearing the mask anyway. Look what happened. We stopped wearing the mask and it went from 30% to 4%. So yeah. that just shows you the mask didn't stop anybody from getting it. When you were going to get it, you got it. And I get it. It, it. If people are worried about getting it, but just because you had a mask on didn't stop you from getting it. It ain't like yeah. wearing a condom where in most cases it'll stop you from getting the girl pregnant. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so, just saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, any final thoughts for uh, for the people out there uh, before we uh, say goodbye? You know, the, it's 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 unbelievable the wrestling community how it's become here in Vegas, where you know. When we started 13 years ago, nobody was running shows. You know, we, the first show we ran at the Rancho Swap Meet was like the first show that was run by a local organization in 10 years. And I don't even know, do you count Rush's UWF? It was, it was a free showcase. So nobody was paying to get in because of the commission. So it might have been 12, 15 years, you know, before Buffalo, Buffalo Gym was the last one. And, you, you know, nobody showed up to those shows, you know. So it's crazy that years later that, you know, Impact, Ring of Honor, GCW, AEW, like, and then all the other upstart companies in town. And then the other companies from out of town trying to run here, like a Booker T coming to Vegas, and they're not even a major, major company. They're a good, solid company. And everybody's looking to come to Vegas. You know, there's so much to do. There's so many things. And we're very fortunate that we've carved a good uh, niche and a fan base in a city where there's 10 billion things to do. And if you look at our numbers when we run a big-time show compared to other towns with a lot more people and a lot less to do, you know, we're right up there as one of the top drawers, draws of, uh, of anybody. So, yeah. you know, when we talk about AEW weekend, SummerSlam weekend was great, but AEW weekend is like a mini uh, WrestleMania this year, you know, and, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I kind of helped put it together. And FSW is, is basically the host of these events, you, you know, I'm going to be spending 16 hours at the silver nugget on Saturday and we're not even running a show Saturday, you know, but I have to be there. I'm the liaison. I'm the one who is dealing with the silver nugget and I have to deal with talent and deal with the, the people that are running the companies, make sure they don't fuck shit up at the silver nugget. Cause you know, I know GCW likes to fuck shit up. You know, <laughs> Brett, Brett could tell Matt Justice anything he wants. It just depends if Matt Justice feels like listening. 
Oh man, yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to see uh, what they get away with and uh, how much you have to uh, uh, just uh, circle the uh, the wagons and be like, yeah, oh. I've kind of neglected to tell them, hey, yeah, you know, crazy stuff, chairs, and uh, you know, as long as they keep it in the uh, the guardrail area, that's cool. I didn't say like, yeah, they're gonna be blasting people with fucking light tubes and shit. We'll let them oh. see it firsthand because GCW is the last show of the weekend, so they can't like cancel the rest of the show. Right. So that's the one good thing about it. That was the smartest move. That is brilliant, right there. In terms of, you know, they're the main event because they have that popularity, and also there's going to be a lot of glass and shit left over. <laughs> yeah, a lot of cleanup from the FSW crew. Oh man. Well, it's uh it's a fun time. Uh everyone again, if uh you uh haven't subscribed to the FSW network, uh $6.99 a month. Uh you can catch uh this past uh Saturday's Future Shock uh on the network. Um the upcoming um high octane you'll be able to catch uh at the end of April. And uh I believe there's a future shock coming up on May 7th, correct? May 7th is correct, yeah. So you got a lot of uh, things you can look forward to. And uh, with that, it's only, you know, $7 uh, for that content. Uh, $3.50, the $3.50 a show. Oh, look at that. Look at that. It just it balances out. Everything looks, uh, looks good. And uh, then you get to see a lot of other things on the network. Uh, the history of FSW is there and original programming as well. So uh, The early, the early days of Evan Daniels, brother. There you go. You like there what you've you seen from Evan Daniels Saturday? You could go back and see some uh, some classics, and uh, and then you'll you'll know exactly what Joe's talking about when he brings Evan Daniels up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so definitely check that out, and um, remember to uh, listen uh, to the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting as well. And until next time, we'll see you guys later.